Father, we just want to say thank you today for being good to us, especially when we don't deserve it. Lord, as we gather here and worship and pray and sing, and Lord, as we're about to read your word, Lord, we don't deserve the opportunity that we have right now. Lord, I know there are people inside this room who may not necessarily want to be here. Maybe they felt like they were drugged here this morning. God, maybe some of us love you. and Lord, we want to serve you, but today we just don't feel it for whatever reason. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, remind us of who you are. Remind us of the love that you have for us. You are our Heavenly Father. And God, you are good. Lord, as we read your words, as we take these next few moments, God, help us to be open, to be humble, to be receptive, and allow you to teach us, move in us in the ways that you would have us to be changed. God, help us to be willing to allow you to do that. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters in prayer this morning. Pray for Henry, who's in the hospital. Pray for Miss Augusta. Lord, you would touch her. We pray for little Dave as all these people we anointed. David needeth on behalf of them this morning. Lord, we lift them up to you. And Lord, we have so many other brothers and sisters who are struggling with physical and just a lot things in life that just come about. God, be with the people who aren't able to be here this morning. Touch them. Guide them. Lord, give them a physical touch, but Lord, more importantly, give them a spiritual touch. Lord, we say this so much, but God, we have trust and faith to know that your spirit can not only be here among us and in us right now, but God, it can also be with them. So we pray that you would pour out your spirit so they could feel it this morning. And they would have their own times of worship as we are worshiping now. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much. We ask that you would speak to us. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it is good to see you guys this morning. We are on week three on questions that Jesus asked. And I've been reading the quote to you hanging on my office wall that says, A question opens the mind and a statement closes it. And I just want to remind us of the idea that Jesus came and spent so much time teaching and guiding the people of Israel. And at the same time, there were a lot of questions that he asked. And the reason for asking questions is because there's a need for us as people to come to an understanding of why on some things. Like there's a lot of things that Jesus said and he communicated what God said that we should just do out of faith. And then there's a lot of things that Jesus asked questions about because he wanted us to think and to reason and come to an understanding in our hearts, but especially in our minds as to why we should do these things. So the question this morning is, why look for specks? Now this is a very popular, famous passage of scripture, 
most people who aren't even in church can quote this because people love looking at other people who are trying to call them out about things and calling them hypocrites. And there might be a lot of us in here this morning who are sitting here thinking like, amen, because you have a spouse who's been on you about some things in your life, or maybe you have a parent who's been on you about some things in your life, or maybe you have a child who's been on you about some things in your life. Whatever it may be, you have to be very careful in this. Because in this parable, or not parable, but this, this story that Jesus is using, this analogy to explain how we should approach sin in our lives, we always assume that we are the person with the speck and the other person is the one with the log or the plank in their own eye, right? But don't be fooled this morning. Understand that every one of us are the one with the plank or the log in our eye. We are that person. And so as Jesus is communicating this, he, he, he's very much communicating the idea that we have major obstacles that are present in our life that need to be dealt with before we begin to approach other people in the ministry of trying to help them grow closer to Christ and remove things in their life. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Again, very famous passage of Scripture. But let's read it. Let's, let's look at how Christ would want it to apply to our lives today. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Again, very popular passage. And again, it's one of those things that we look at this and we always assume that we're the person with the speck. So point number one this morning, always look inward for sin. We always look inward. When it comes to sin and the search for sin, we should never look outward for sin. We should always look inward. And this is kind of opposite for how we are as people, right? I mean, at does it not come so naturally to be able to look at other people and to identify all the things that they're doing wrong or all the things that are wrong with something or all the things that someone could do better? It's very easy for us to identify those things, but whenever it comes to our own lives, we don't particularly see that very well, do we? Nobody's saying amen. You don't look too happy. This hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to acknowledge that. I'll give you an example. Um, I stink at writing papers. I'm very good at grading them. I never made above a C or a B in any of my papers that I wrote. Ever. Like, it just wasn't a, a strength. But I'm really good at grading. And it's really funny because, I, and I don't particularly understand why, I just know that... I've done this for years. Whenever I, I, I've done this for kids in the youth group, because I've, I've looked over some of their papers, helped them try to get their papers turned in and make good grades on it. And I did this with my wife. When my wife went back and she was doing her graduate degree, if you know this, um, 
when you're taking your graduate degree, you don't really take a lot of tests. You do a lot of papers. You just write. You're constantly writing. And so she was constantly writing these papers. And she would ask me to look over them. And I would look over these papers and I would hand them back to her. And they would be dripping blood, like red ink. I would have these things so marked up, so like just changed and question marks and and why is this here and why is this here? I can identify every sentence fragment, every run on, every excessive comma, every where there should be a comma, like you name it, like I can put it in there. I, I can see it clearly when someone else is writing it because when you think about it, it's their idea that they're trying to communicate. And if you've ever had to write, you know when you're trying to write something down, you're just trying to get it out. So you're just like, there's all this stuff in your mind and you're just trying to get it out on paper. So you're just kind of flushing that stuff out as it goes. And it doesn't always come out in great order. It doesn't always come out in great uh, punctuation and pronunciation. And especially when she was writing on medical stuff, like she was using a lot of words that I didn't understand. So it was very important that I was reading this. I was like, okay, like you need to explain this clear. So Hannah graduated with like a 4.0 on all these papers. And this, this caused strife in our marriage. Like, because she would get mad. Like, she would get so mad. Like, we would argue over these things. But she graduated with a 4.0. And I never made, I never did very well on my own papers. It's so easy for us to look at things that other people are doing and identify all the things that they could do better or things they're doing wrong. And especially when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's so easy to look out and identify the sin but one thing that we need to understand is, is that God never calls us to look outward for sin. God always calls us to look inward for sin. We're supposed to look inside our own hearts to identify the sin in our lives. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2 says that people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. And this morning, we do need to take a step back and understand that there are things in our life that, that we are used to things that we have been raised in, things that, that our family has just always done. And if you're involved in education, you know this, because uh, I was in education, I, I did youth ministry for years. You're, the kids act like what they see, like they, they're learning from somebody. They don't just talk that way because they did it on their own. Like they're learning to talk like that. They're learning to think like that. They're learning to write, they're learning all these things from someone else. And they're doing what they perceive to be normal. And we do that as well in our own lives. But the Lord calls us to examine ourselves, to examine our hearts. And I'll give you an example for this. When I was a youth, we went to a convention in Orlando, Florida. And I had just gotten saved. I had not been saved a year at this time. And, and I, the Lord was still working with me in a lot of areas of my life. He was just kind of like chipping away at some things. And so we go, and I remember attending this seminar, and it was a seminar on sexual purity. And, and the guy started asking questions about this uh, TV show and this movie, which during, even in the 90s, because this is like 2001, so it's like 90s, early 2000s, even then, it, these shows would be considered clean. They, they would have been considered acceptable. Like they were PG, they were on TV, they, they were aired all the time. It was something you could easily watch. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mention them. But as he played the opening credits for the sitcom, 
All of us were in there. It just on like how the show comes on every week, just from what you could see from the song and the dance, and they were like, you know, advertising different things. We were all sitting there in our chairs and we were squirming because to watch that in church was like super uncomfortable. And we were like, oh man, like I, I didn't even realize that. Like as people, we are so accustomed to culture. We're so accustomed to just what seems normal. And guys, I'm going to tell you, the whole aspect of following Christ is, is that God is calling us out of the world. God is calling us out of the normal. He's calling you out of your families. We forget that a lot of times, but he is. He's calling you out of your family. He's calling you out of your heritage. He's calling you out of what seems to be normal and okay in your life because he wants more from you. And so the need to look inward for sin is so important because there are so many things in our life that needs to be dealt with in order for us to become the men and women that God has called us to be. Even when you look at the people of Israel, when God gave them the covenant of the Old Testament, we, talk, we talked about this in Bible study Wednesday night, when God gave them the covenant of the Old Testament, it was everything that he wanted them to do and everything that he didn't want them to do and Paul said in 2 Corinthians that basically the old covenant led to death. Because it revealed the simple fact of the people of Israel were sinful. They wanted to live for God. They accepted the terms of the covenant, but they couldn't. You with me this morning? And so the idea in understanding this morning, it does not matter how long you've been saved. It does not matter how holy you think you are, or even how holy that some other people might perceive you to be. You could be the holiest person in this room this morning, and yet there is still work to be done in our lives and in our hearts. God wants us to grow in our relationship with Him, and sin separates us from God. You ask yourself this question, do you believe in God? What do you believe about the God that you claim that you believe in? Do you believe that sin separates you from God? Is God the most important thing in your life? Well, if all those things are true or you say, well, I want that to be the case. Like, well, if sin separates us from God, then we need to be looking inward to make sure that there's nothing inside of us that's separating us from our Heavenly Father. Because if we believe him to be true and his word to be true, then we know that that's just a part of the circumstances. So we have to look inward. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul writes to that church. He says, Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. There is going to be a temptation in your life to look around you and to gauge your faith and your relationship with God based off of the other people that are around you. And that is the most dangerous position that you could be in. It's dangerous because you can't trust everyone else to be doing everything that God has called them to do in their own lives. We should never gauge our relationship with God based off of what other people are doing. It's not a good measuring stick. God has called you to follow him individually. And the truth of the matter is, is that what God is calling you to do on this side of the room, God to be calling you to do something very differently. 
And there may not be any present sin in your life over here, but if you're not doing the things that God is calling you to do, then you're living in rebellion and you're living in sin. And you just may not be able to see that they're living in sin. They may not be living in worldly sin, but if we're living in disobedience, we're living in sin. You can't measure yourself according to everyone else. And Paul gives the warning to the church. He says you have to be honest in the estimation of yourself. When you pray and you seek the Lord are you doing everything that Christ is calling you to? And are you moving away from everything that he's calling you to leave behind? Because it's not just sin and it's not just things because there's, there's sin that we can easily identify. But it could be anything from like a relationship. Like if God's calling you out of that relationship and you're not being obedient to leave and disperse from that, you're living in sin. And if God's calling you to, to minister and witness to this person over here, and you're not doing that because you're scared, you're living in sin. So we have to be honest in our own estimation of ourselves. Are we doing everything that we feel like God is leading us to do in our life? We have to look inward for that. Scripture constantly warns us of the sin that lurks in our hearts and the shortcomings in areas that we fall. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, when Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he said, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. There's so many passages of Scripture that calls us to examine ourselves. See if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. If you love Christ, how much do you want Him? What are you willing to give up and what are you willing to do in order to make sure there's nothing separating you from Him? Point number two. So we look inward for sin and we should only look outward to serve. You know, in this, there, there's this great temptation. And again, like we see, the, it's so easy to see the faults in others. It's so easy to see what people are doing that's so foreign to what we understand and so foreign to what we've been taught. So we can easily identify certain sins, but we don't identify all the sins. That's one of the reasons why a lot of people in the world get extremely frustrated and angry because we, we, we get hyper-focused on certain things that are easy to identify. But we should never look outward for sin. We should look outward to serve. It's a totally different attitude. You ever met someone that you just felt like they were looking for something to call people out on? They're just looking for says, oh, you didn't do that right. Well, I do this different. You shouldn't do that. Like they were just always there to just like say, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And it's like, it's almost like, I don't care. Like even even as as believers and as Christians, like even the thought of those people annoy us. Think about people who are living in sin, and we're constantly drawing attention to the fact of they're living in sin. Now, now stay with me because we're not saying that we ignore it. We're not saying that we don't do something about it. We just we look outward to serve. You should not look at someone. Listen to me. You should not look at another person to see what you can make them better in. 
to, to look at how you can advance them, to look at how, even how you can benefit from them in some ways. And, and I say that carefully, you know, it's Father's Day, and even thinking about this with my own kids, like, it's very tempting for me to sit back and have a lot of desires and expectations from my children rather than serving them as a father. Like, the, I want them to, like... I want them to always eat their food and to always behave and to never tear anything up. And there's a lot of expectations that we have. And if we're not careful, we can look at other people and we want people to be a certain way. We want people to stop living in sin. And it's really funny how like with easily identified sin, we can look at that and say, we want that to stop because it'll make it, will it make them better? Will it make us feel better for them to stop doing it? And the idea should be to look outward to serve, not look outward for sin. We look inward for sin, we look outward to serve. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28, Jesus said, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everything about Christ was serving. When you look at Jesus' life, are we not supposed to be imitators of Christ? If everything about his life was serving, why would we not have the same attitude to look at others and our first thought would be, how can I serve you, not how can I fix you, but how can I serve you, how can I love you? When you look at Jesus and you look at his interaction with people, Jesus never went around and just clearly is like, Poop, you're doing this. You're sleeping around. You're doing this. You're doing this. Like, it's like he didn't go out and minister amongst people and like start pointing out sin. There were a couple of times where he did identify a sin or sins in people's life, but the majority of the time he loved on these people, he ate with them, he hung out with them, he taught them, and people like Zacchaeus was one of those people who said, I want to repent. I want to undo everything I've done. If I've overcharged people, I'll pay them back. I'll pay back four times as much to make this right. And there was repentance in his heart that he came to on his own, not because Jesus said, you've been cheating people, Zacchaeus. You need to repent of this. But he loved people and he served people. And that's the attitude that we should have, the attitude of service. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. There's a calling on us as believers to be interested in other people. All right, So you're not supposed to ignore other people. You're not supposed to just let them do their own thing and just like never pay them attention. Just forget about them. But you take an interest in them. You love them. You serve them. The attitude is total opposite from just identifying sin in their life and calling them to fix it rather than loving them, taking interest in them, and being the salt and light in their life to guide them to the good things of Christ. And this morning as we talk about this, I think about the relationship between parents and children and grandparents and grandchildren and things like that because it's so easy for us to just kind of like well, they're mine, and I want them to be this way. And so there, there's a tendency and a, somewhat of a temptation to, to force that upon them. And they feel that. They feel that, that, that forcing that we have rather than loving them. And I'm not saying that we should be serving our kids. 
you know, like we should be taking... We're talking spiritually here this morning, okay? Teach your kids. Let them, help them to grow. Have them be an event. But show them the love of God. Be patient with them. Even as a parent, you're called to serve them spiritually. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. So we, we spend so much of our time kind of pressing in on our kids and guiding them and getting them to have good manners and getting them to you know, brush their teeth and take baths and do all the things that normal people do. And really, like we serve them spiritually. Like we should be serving them in that manner. Um, and we, we lose that a lot of times in our lives. But I just want to ask you this question this morning. When you look at someone else, what do you, what do you see? What's the first thing you see when you look at someone else? When, when you notice them, you meet a stranger for the first time. Because the attitude should be when you look at someone you see in a way or something, or you should be looking for something in a way that you could serve them and love them and not to fix them. Because let's be honest, we can't fix them. You with me today? Like, we, we can't fix them. We can't make them repent of the sin. We can't make them feel guilty of the sin. All we're going to do is mess that up. But if we love, we God, we show them. Point number three, the time will come to deal with the speck. Now, as we've been talking about this, I don't want you to get confused and think, oh, James is saying like, we should just ignore this and we shouldn't deal with the sin in other people's lives. No, like Jesus actually calls us to deal with the speck in other people's eyes. Remember, he said, first get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you can see well enough to dig the speck out of your friend's eye. So there will be a time when you should be there to assist your friend in removing the speck from their eye, right? There's going to be a time for that to happen. But we have to wait on that. So let me give you an example. Now... I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Hattie's not old enough to really do anything to make fun of yet. But Naomi and Perry, they're there. And they're like wild animals. They run around barefooted. It's chaos. There's injuries all the time. I try, like one of my biggest pet peeves when I talk about forcing stuff on kids. I, I believe in shoes, like is it? I just want. I believe in. I believe in wearing shoes. I believe that there is a proper shoe for every event. And if you walk around barefooted, basically you're saying my toes are free game to be cut off or broken at any time. Like that's what I believe. And it really bothers me that our children. The first thing they do as soon as we put their shoes off is on is kick them off, and they just run around barefooted all the time. And they get splinters. And they get thorns constantly, and they all come up and they cry because they have splinters and thorns. And it's like. So, like, wear your shoes. Like, this, like good luck. They, they haven't learned it yet. So when they have splinters and thorns, I don't leave them in there because I try to be a halfway decent parent and keep their feet from getting infected because they run around like little hobbits everywhere. And as I try to get the splinters and the thorns out, and I'm actually very good at doing that, and as I try to get those out, they're like animals that have been cornered. And they just back up and they're bearing teeth and claws and they're screaming and yelling and growling. And they will not let you fix the problem. Like they know it hurts. They don't want it there. They're crying about it. But when you touch them, they're like, and they turn into these wild animals. 
Now, my wife also likes running around barefooted, in case you're wondering where the kids got it from. She gets splinters, but she comes to me and says, hey, I got a splinter in my foot. Will you get this out? Because she knows like I'm pretty good at it. And like within like a few seconds, I get the splinter out. It's, it's done. And it's amazing what happens whenever you're trying to help these two little wild animals who don't want your help versus someone who comes up and says, hey, will you help me with this? And they sit there and then you can help them. There will be a time when you get to help remove the speck from your friend's eye. But they have to be ready and willing to let you go digging around in their eye. You with me? I don't know about y'all, but I'm one of those people. It's like I have a tendency to kind of let something fester before I'm actually ready to do something about it. Like the idea of going to the doctor. I hate that idea. And so something has to like start getting pretty bad before I'm finally ready to let somebody go digging around and do something about it. There will come a point in time whenever the person that you are seeing, that you love, that you serve, where they will get to the point where they're ready to let you do something about the speck that's in their eye. Because here's the thing. Just like something in your eye or a splinter in your foot, sin eventually gets to the point where it festers and it will begin to bother them enough that they will want to do something about it. And when they come and ask you to help them, it's amazing at how much smoother and easier that process is than whenever you're trying to corner them like those two little wild animals I was talking about and force them to get that out of their life. But the other thing is, is they have to trust you enough to let you do it. You have a relationship that needs to be built, a friendship. They have to understand that you're not just doing this because this weirdo just enjoys like sticking a knife or a needle down in something and just digging it out because he's just weird and likes to do that and make people have pain. Like They have to trust and know that you're actually good at, at doing this and that you care enough about them that you're going to do it in as gentle of a way as possible to bring them through it. But also, they have to know and trust that you're not just some kind of filthy, nasty person with dirty hands who's coming in to perform surgery and is going to give them an infection that they'll die from rather than what's wrong with them right now. We have to be people who's been cleansed and have clean hands and pure hearts. I don't know about you, there's not very many people I would trust to just go dig around in my eyes. Even the thought of it makes me cringe for someone to dig around and try to remove something out of my eye. There's not very many people in my life that I would trust to do that. And if someone came up wanting to dig around in my eye and their hands were filthy and covered in gross stuff, you think I'd let them dig around in my eye? Absolutely not. But it's amazing what happens whenever we go to someone and they're clean and they're wearing gloves and they have the proper tools and they've taken all the precautions and you put a lot of trust, even in someone that you may not know very well, you may say, well, at least this person looks like they might know what they're doing, so I'll, let them, I'll give them a chance to do this. As individuals, as followers of Christ, there will come a point in time when you can deal with the speck in your friend or your brother or your sister's eye. But you have to be in a place that you are prepared and clean and ready to do that whenever they come to you and say, hey, 
I got this going on. Will you help me? You have to be able to get whatever's in your eye out so you can see clearly enough to do that for them. And Christ wants you to do that for them. That's part of the whole aspect of of serving and loving them is that you were there and present enough in their life to actually see them through the spiritual and not just the physical. We, we just want to start with the spiritual and just get it over with. We just want to fix the problem just right away and just make it all good now so we feel better about it and we won't lose sleep at night. But the truth is, is that you got to put in the time. you got to put in the effort. you got to make sure that you are ready and you're prepared first. And then you look outward to serve and you love them and you take care of them and you meet their needs. So that when the time comes to deal with the spiritual, which is the most intimate, the most important aspect, that they trust you and they believe in you and they're ready to let you come and dig around in places they've never let anyone dig around before. Because they're not used to it. As we finish up today, you know, you just look at this idea and you say, well, you know... <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is sin in my life. Maybe there's something going on. I just don't realize it. You, you look at David in scriptures. You know, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. You take a look at some of the prayers that he prayed and some of the things that he did. He wasn't perfect by any means. He was not a perfect man. But in one of his Psalms, in Psalm 19, verses 12 through 13, he said, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? See, the attitude of David to be a man after God's own heart was not that he would just be holy and consider himself holy, but that he would be a man who's seeking after God and comes to the realization of, I am a sinful person. I'm drawn to sin. I'm drawn to do things that are not pleasing to the Lord. And because of that, I can't even know all of the sin that's in my heart. But he asked God, he says, cleanse me from these hidden faults. That, that David is repenting to the Lord for things that he, like, God, if there's anything in me that I'm not even aware of, cleanse me from this because I don't want there to be anything that separates me from you. So even as a follower of Christ, just personally, our attitude should constantly be looking inward to seek the Lord, to, to have forgiveness of sin, to make sure that we're not there's no sin there that we're not even aware of. Because you could be sitting here this morning, and there might be sin in your life, and you just like think it's normal, and you just not even know. And no one else is going to look at you and say, hey, that's simple, you shouldn't do that. But it's like, it might be something the Lord just wants to reveal to you. And the question is, is do you love God enough this morning to say, hey, God, is there anything in my life that I'm not aware of that doesn't need to be there? Will you show that to me? Because it's already hard enough to deal with sin that we know is wrong. It's already hard enough to leave that behind and to leave things of the world behind. But are we willing to take it a step further and say, God, is there anything in my heart that I don't know about? Will you please reveal it to me so I can make sure that I'm as close to you as I possibly can? Because that's for your benefit. But to even have the sin removed from your life, the, the log removed from your own eye, it is going to inevitably be beneficial for others. Because the point in time where they're going to come and ask you and they're going to need that help to remove that speck, it's going to come. 
But you have a responsibility to make sure that you're prepared and ready to do that. In verse 13, he said, Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Our relationship with the Lord deals more with the attitude of our hearts than it does with the things that we do and we don't do. It's not just a matter of can you stop doing this or can you start doing this. It's a matter of will you surrender to the Lord to allow Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit so that you can accomplish all the other stuff that He wants from you. Because you can't do it. Like, you can't stop doing the stuff. You can't do all the things he wants you to. You're not, we're, none of us are talented enough to do any of the things he calls us to do. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of surrender. God, will you reveal these things to me? Will you show me things that I'm not even aware that are there? God, will you fill me with your spirit? Will you give me the ability to go? I surrender myself to you. And the people who are sitting out there, and their lives are filled with sin and they have specks and some of them even have logs in their own eye are just waiting for someone who is prepared and ready and able to help them get it out. But the question is, they have to know that you're that person. They have to trust and believe in you. And it may take a while, but one day it'll come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come together and read your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and every man, woman, every child that's present here today, God, I pray that we would look inward. Lord, reveal anything in our hearts that's there that doesn't need to be there. Give us the strength and abilities to serve you in ways you've called us to. Lord, help us to look for ways to serve other people. And God, help us to be ready to remove the speck from their eyes when the time comes. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. I ask that you would be with us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.